All right. Well, welcome to Pentecost Sunday, everybody. Um, so good to be with you. So good to be together with the Lord. Um, what I want to do in the message today is, is put on another perspective of why it is so important for us to continue on our journey as um, a church that loves God and worships Jesus through the Holy Spirit and walks in faith in the Holy Spirit. And I particularly want to emphasize the Spirit's uh, ministry of making people experience the fatherhood of God by making them believe in the childhood of God, which they have. So we're going to be reading in Romans. But before we do this, um, just to recap, I know probably nobody's been here for every single session except for um, some of the leaders. But last Sunday when we got together, what we were highlighting was that God has given his spirit to the church. And each individual Christian, if you have a sincere faith, are called to um, be stirring up the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And especially seeking him, believing in him, um, listening to him. And I would add to that as well, walking in the gifts that he gives you. It's a way of fellowshipping with you. If God, the Spirit gives you a gift, the Spirit of life gives you a ministry gift, then there is life in giving that gift away. And so we're called to grow in that gift as a way of keeping the fire burning. And I did feel a little bit guilty getting up here on Sunday and talking about fires and big fires and then showing up to a big fire and going, am I somehow responsible for this? I don't think so, but one wonders. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I, it's all just going to be healing rains from now on. Healing rains, healing rains, cups of cold water and stuff like that. Yeah, and the rain's been really good. I actually feel very loved by how the rain has been going. When I was praying for rain, some of you know I've been praying for rain quite a bit, and you have as well, I'm sure. I kept asking the Lord, don't let it be a big downpour, just like nice and slow, because when the ground is dry, it gets hard, and then the water runs instead of getting absorbed. So nice and slow, baby step, absorb the water, baby step, feed the plants, and it's exactly how it happens. So I'm really grateful to God. It's just kind, right? Like you pray for rain, and if you just get this big, rainstormed and everybody's window wells get filled up and it's like no yeah so praying specifically i don't know if i'm responsible for that but i'm still feeling very loved by the lord and how it happened anyhow so that first message last week just just a reminder paul's attitude towards timothy is because you're such a sincere christian keep the flame of the fire of the holy spirit burning bright in your life and the call for each one of us. Well, I'm a real believer. Okay, so then that same encouragement comes to us. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you in the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then when we gather together on Friday for the kind of youth-oriented night, my main burden for encouraging the youth was just to tell them that God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our friend in life. Someone who is here to love us and do good to us, to know who we are, to be with us, and to make sure we're never alone. Jesus, Jesus did go up to heaven, and he is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father, whatever that looks like. Um, but he sent the Holy Spirit so that we wouldn't be alone. And so this is the truth. Why should we love the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one who's here to love us. We're not, we're not alone. God has not left us alone, and he is who is here right now to love us. And there will be a day when Christ returns in his body, 
his physical body, he will return and he will reclaim the earth and he'll resurrect from the dead his church and we will be together physically present together. But that's not how it is right now. Right now he is away, but he's with us through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is here. And so let's love the Holy Spirit because he's the one who's here loving us and bringing us the presence of the Father and bringing us the presence of Christ. And then we spent some time as leaders together, um, the pastor, staff, and elders and wives, and with Randy on Saturday. And one of the big things that came out of that was just a reminder of our roots as a church. Uh, you've You've probably heard this before, but just a reminder, Calvary Chapel was planted to be a place where people who didn't fit into other churches found a place to fit in. They found a home. And and part of that was was meant to be from the beginning that the Holy Spirit would be welcomed and operating and and loving on people and bringing people the kind of freedom that they can't get just from wise words and counseling and human efforts. Real love, real freedom for people who feel like they don't fit in. And um, and just as a side note, if you feel like you don't necessarily fit in at Calvary Chapel. That's part of the reasons why you're called here. Because it, it might just be something that God wants to deal with in you. Because most of us feel like that sometime at Calvary. Some of us weekly. And it, that's part of the ministry of this church is, is just to say, hey, this is your home. But what it reminds me of is that the church is called to be a adoptive family in the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is our Father and He has one natural born son his name is jesus and everybody else is an adoptive child and with an adoptive family those children are there by choice they may look different they might have different skin color hair color eye color than dad Um, they don't have the exact same dna so nobody here is actually like god eternal through whom the world was created unless there's something i don't know like did anybody here create the universe no okay good that would get weird. Just one natural-born son, but billions of adopted children. And one of the challenges for adoptive children is feeling like they actually belong. That's one of the challenges. Um, and so that's normal for an adoptive child to feel like they don't belong to their adoptive family. That's normal. But that's one of the things God wants to overcome through his Holy Spirit. And so I want to read um, Romans 8, some verses, and then I really want to talk about God's desire for the Holy Spirit to be at the centerpiece of us experiencing the Father for purpose in our lives. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So let's read Romans 8, starting in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And here are our key verses. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just so grateful for you. I love the spirit of revelation. Lord, this, this, this prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians, that you would do something supernatural for us to get it. Because the natural person, the person in the flesh, hears the word of God and does not get it. And then you can intervene through revelation. You can open up eyes, open up hearts, open up minds, and we get it. And everything's different and we're moved forward. And so, God, I thank you, Father, that you're so generous and you want us to get it. And so, God, would you get it? Would you make us get it? Would you send the revelation of God over us today as I bring the word to your children? And would you give me everything I need to be a true servant of Christ? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The big idea this morning that I want to say is that from Romans 8, the core... accomplishment of God and activity of God for us in dealing with two of the main things in our lives is to send the spirit into our hearts to convince us that we're God's children and the two big things that God wants to deal with in our lives are our sin and our sufferings our sins and our sufferings and God's response to these things is the Holy Spirit of Christ living in us and and if you want to think about it one way you could think about it as this Really, two of the biggest things in your life are the bad things that happen to you and the bad things you do. If you could get rid of those things, it'd be pretty sweet. We call it heaven. If you could get rid of all the bad things that happen to you and you could get rid of all the bad things you do, it would be pretty sweet. We call it heaven. But that's not the reality right now. But these are two of the most important parts of life things that we will experience, the, the, the evil that comes out of our heart that God calls sin and the bad things that happen to us that, that the Bible calls suffering, suffering and sin. This is what this portion of scripture is about. And as Paul is dealing with this and giving us a Christian mindset and talking about what God's response is to living this life where we're, we're not set free from sin yet, we are going to sin again, and we're not rescued from being able to suffer we're in this life god's main response is through christ to give us a spirit who will cry out abba father to him why do i say that well i say that because that's what the bible does verse 12 sorry verse 13 for if you live by the flesh this is the flesh means in scripture um it, it is a lifestyle and a mindset and a spiritual commitment that does not know God or yield to God or believe in God. How do people live when they don't know Jesus and aren't born again? That's the flesh. And Paul is contrasting this with life in the spirit. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to de- death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So what is the difference between a life controlled by the flesh that just overflows in unstopped sin It's the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the thing that puts to death the sin in our lives and causes us not to live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
And he goes on from there to say, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he doesn't just say, hey, you, go off there, defeat your sin by yourself with the power of the Spirit. He says, actually what's happening here is that you as a child of God are being led by the Spirit of God to wage war against that fleshly nature in you. And then our confidence is meant to be this, verse 15, the key verse, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And every single part of that sentence is so important. In the, in the fight against us being controlled by our sin, in the fight against us putting to, for us putting to death our sin, Paul says it all starts with the spirit inside of us crying out, Abba God, to the Father. And out of that confession, we are led as children of God. And as we are led by the spirit, we put to death the works of the flesh and live. So I'm just proving from scripture that Paul is saying the spirit convincing us that we are God's children is the beginning of having victory over our sins. And I'm also saying that us receiving the spirit of adoption is the beginning of us really learning how to walk through the sufferings of this life because of where he goes next. He changes kind of the subjects from the sin that we do to the sufferings we receive. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. So do you see how that works there? He says, fight and defeat your sin by the power of the spirit, because he's the spirit of adoption. And he is convincing you that you really are a son of God. And by the way, this spirit of adoption is proof that your sufferings are what you're called to as Christians, not just what happens to you. The same way Christ suffered in his life, you're called to suffer with him by the power of the Spirit because you're going to inherit everything. Now, let me just pause here. This isn't the lightest message you're going to hear this year. All right? This, this isn't kind of the uh, candy corn, candy canes, maple syrup, and cotton candy the four food groups of elves, like just sweetness. Um, this, is, this is heavy stuff, and this is real stuff. But the reason I'm emphasizing this, just so we can get it, I'm pointing out that a, the church needs to love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here to cause people to experience the love of the Father and to convince them from the inside out that they really are his children by faith in Jesus Christ so that they can really fight and win the fight against sin and get through their sufferings in life without getting taken out. And if we are called to be a church full of people who don't fit in other places, we are called to be a church that helps people experience the real love of the Father and become convinced that they really are God's adopted children so that they can help beat the stuff that is destroying their lives and get through the bad stuff that happens to them without quitting on God and saying, obviously you don't love me because all this bad stuff is happening. Okay, this is where I'm coming from. So it's so important. And when we get excited about the gifts of the Spirit, it really isn't just because it's fun, though sometimes it's really fun. 
It's because the Spirit is in us to help people experience the love of the Father through the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they will find a home in the adoptive family of God. That's my heart. That's where I'm coming from. So let me just start by just glorying in in what God does in a person's heart by putting the Spirit in them. Number one, I don't actually know what the Spirit of God is. I was just thinking about this in the prayer room, and I, I just I was praying. And I was like, I'm already just drowning in the depths of the mysteries of God because the Father is a spirit. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John, he says, God is spirit, and those who will worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so God, who is a spirit, has a spirit. Just don't ask me. All I know is how, how, that it's real and it's, it's happening. The Father who is a spirit has a spirit. And I think the analogy somehow is, is like you as a human being have a spirit. You have this like invisible part of you that is the real you. And if your body dies, it goes on existing, though God doesn't have a body that dies. But there is this invisible thing that is you, which is your spirit. And in the same way, the Father has a spirit, which is this kind of invisible part of him who is the core of him. And the scripture tells us that when the gospel of Jesus is preached and people come to faith in him, it's a work of the spirit, but God also puts the spirit of Christ in you as a sign that you belong to Jesus and that you are born again. And then this, this inner part of the father begins to talk to you and out of you saying to the father, Abba father, this is what's happening. This is the dynamics. And Paul's a little bit, he says it a little bit different in Galatians. Um, in fact, give me a second. Just, I just don't want to paraphrase. I want to say it very specifically. He says, And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son. So it's the spirit of the father and the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So it's even more specific, not just that we say, Abba, Father, by the power of the Spirit, but the Spirit actually comes into us, crying out, Abba, Father. So when a person genuinely says, I have believed in Jesus, and now God is my Abba, Father, that is the Spirit speaking through you, which is just, boop, 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 gray matter, out the ears, like, when I am in the presence of God, and I'm enjoying God's love, and I really believe, the gospel, that God has rescued me through the death of his son and brought me into resurrection life through the resurrection of his son and that he has given me, made me a new creation and given me a new life and I come to him and I say, you are my dad. That is actually my dad's own spirit confirming and speaking through me that he is my dad. And I just think, he's the best dad. Like how not alone can you be when your father put supernatural power in you to make you confess and believe that he's your father. Like, oh boy, if we could do that. Parents, sometimes, with their kids, you just, I just, I'm just going to climb into your heart. It's going to get messy. Climb into your heart, maybe just into your vocal cords and go, I love you, Dad. From your own vocal cords. Like, one homicide later, it doesn't work. But God the Father actually takes sinners 
who in our nature don't trust the Father, don't want the Father, don't like the Father, rebel against the Father, want to be independent from the Father. And he gives us a new nature by putting the Holy Spirit in us to transform us, not from um, rebellious people who say, go away, scary God in the sky, go away, evil judge, go away. Now we say, come near, let me come near, you're my dad. And it's, it's a supernatural work. Where you're like, you, you're transformed from, I don't like you, God, to, I can't live without you, Dad. Through the power of Jesus' accomplishments. And so, just, I know you're like, what are you talking about, Rob? I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I am just literally saying what the Bible says. Because your sons, and ladies, your sons... Because you're sons through faith in Jesus Christ, God puts his spirit in you, crying out to the Father, Abba, Father. And, and by the way, he's trying to convince us that we, we belong in his family. He's trying to convince us that we're accepted by him. Okay? I've said this before. I'll say it again. One of the hardest things for a Christian to actually believe is that God likes us and wants us. Yeah, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, we believe he's raised from the dead. Yes, we're grateful we're going to heaven. But he actually loves us and wants us. So hard for us to believe. God, knowing that this is the truth, he sends his own spirit into our, our, our minds, into our hearts, to convince us from the inside out. And the scripture says that the spirit even bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, so that every time we go, wow, I'm God's child, the spirit's like, amen. Woo, woo, woo. Like doing the... the the double, the double, everything being established by two or three witnesses thing inside of our souls. So I'm saying that this is, this is a major ministry of the Holy Spirit and why we should become, seek to be comfortable with the Holy Spirit, want to invite him, honor him for what he does, and give thanks to the Father for what he does through the Spirit, and give thanks to Christ for what he's done in saving the Spirit. Um, I, I'm a Trinitarian guy i i love each person of the holy spirit so much uh sorry of god but the holy spirit is god don't let me confuse you i love they're they're all awesome and they're they're the one god and they're a little bit different and i can't figure it out and i'm not supposed to i just worship and love but paul is saying that this spirit ministry of saying your God's child now is the start of really killing sin and destroying the flesh and understanding how to go through suffering in life. Who you are changes the fight against the flesh. And so if you run this backwards, what is really happening here is that people who are not convinced that God is their dad because they're accepted through faith in Jesus Christ and convinced by the Holy Spirit, what do we do? We, we go on the idol hunt. We need, a, we need a father somewhere. We need somebody to take care of us somewhere. We need something to make us feel loved and accepted somewhere. And if we won't uh, yield to the, the gospel, believe in the cross, and give the yes and amen to what the Spirit is saying in our hearts, we'll find sin somewhere else to try to finish it, to make us feel better. Amen. And that's sin's promise, right? That's the snake in the garden. You can eat that fruit. You'll get smart. It will taste delicious, and you'll be like God. 
And, and that's welcome to life. That's the promise of sin. You'll feel better. You'll be better. You'll look better. You don't need God for your life. And the Spirit is working in our hearts to say, God is my dad. I don't need that. God is all I need. I don't need that. I'm a child of God. Who do you think you're tempting here? You can get a little uppity sometime. Like, come on. You really think we go for that? Like, I am like a living child of God here. And he says, now that you're a kid, you do have a destiny of going through suffering in this life. Which is good to hear because people who feel like they don't fit in some place, people who are afraid that they're not accepted by God, when big suffering comes into your life, the first thing that happens, you start feeling rejected, right? Oh, God, if you really cared, like, why are you letting this happen? Don't you love me? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? How have I blown it? Why are you mad at me? And Paul is saying, the Spirit of God is in you to say, you are a child, a child of God. And so just like your older brother Jesus, you have a, a walk of suffering to go through on your way to glory. Jesus is going to inherit the entire universe and your name is on that inheritance sheet as well. And in order to get there, there's some cross-like suffering to go through. So, so, so there you go. And so what I want to do just to, to finish our time together here is I want to point out a couple of ways that the Spirit helps us in our suffering because this is exactly what Paul wants to talk about. Did you know preaching gets really easy when all you try to do is say what the Bible says? There was this joke I heard one time. A dad was teaching his son how to do a Bible study. He says, when you run out of things to say, just go on to the next verse. Simple pimple. In verse 18, he says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. How many people live like that? You go through relational strife, you go through family strife, you go through financial strife, you go through physical strife, you go through spiritual strife, and you look at it and you go, this isn't much compared to what I'm about to inherit. And I think scripture is pointing to the main reason we don't get there is because we're not yielding to the Spirit's confession in our soul that we truly are children of God and the Father really is our Abba. This, this isn't much compared to what Abba has in store for me. He goes on from there to say that not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit. Notice Paul defining us, not just as Christians here, but people who have the first fruit of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Do you regularly groan in your life? That is normal. Normal for Christians, normal for, for real children of God, because... We're not home with dad yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet. So people who are full of the spirit regularly groan in this life. But, verse 26, likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't even know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now there's two different ways that people take this. Sometimes people take this as that the, the spirit himself is kind of having a prayer life with God, which again is just gray matter 
Other people say that this is a reference to speaking in tongues where the Holy Spirit empowers people to pray things that they don't know they're praying, but he's praying exactly what the Father wants them to pray because the Holy Spirit is praying to the Father just using your mouth. And so obviously if the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of the Father, is praying to the Father, he's praying what the Father wants to hear, and you don't even know how to pray because you don't know what to pray, so the Spirit's just going to pray through you to get done what needs to get done because God loves you so much, he's not going to just let you have a terrible prayer life, he's going to send his Spirit into you, and he's going to have an awesome Holy Spirit prayer life through you with, with you hardly, you don't even know what he's saying. Which, again, is true. That is what is happening when people are praying in tongues, which is a really good reason to just kind of go, it's weird, but it's okay. Because when people are genuinely praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit is actually saying exactly what the Father wants him to say in order to accomplish God's purposes, which is great. We get to be weak and go, I don't even know what to pray. And God gets to accomplish his will by his grace. And we get to be loved children. And he gets to be almighty God. Welcome to being a Christian. It's amazing. I'm still so stunned. Like, speaking of God doing it for us and through us, like, he's like, Rob, you you, you are going to sink at prayer. So how about I just do it for you? Okay. Shakalakaloo. However it comes out. That wasn't actually me praying in tongues. But I can do it, and I do do it regularly. But I just, I just, before we even get weirded out by it or love it or whatever we do, like, let's just think of the glory of the Father who loves us so much. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do it through you. Okay, this is important that, that these prayers happen. Spirit, you know what I want? Yeah, I know what you want. Okay, why don't you go pray through Rob what I want? Because he needs your help. He's just so weak. There'll be a day when he's not weak anymore. I'm going to give him a new body. Heaven on earth. It's going to be great right now. He's terrible at this. You go do it through him. And I get to go, God, I am really terrible at praying, but thank you for accomplishing your will. You're glorious. He says, thank you. And I did what I wanted to do. It's great to be a child of God. He's the best dad. He is the best dad. And we're slow to believe it. So the Spirit of God is inside of us right now saying, why don't you just call him Abba? Why don't you just cry out to him, just say, Dad, I I don't get it. I actually feel condemned right now because I don't feel like I'm measuring up to how Rob is measuring up. You know, I don't even measure up to my sermons. So newsflash, nobody's as good as they preach. That's just the reality, which is the thing that gets me about like online preaching and thinking online preachers are great. You don't know them. You, You go and ask their wife what they're really like. Amen? Amen. <laughs> it doesn't bug me. I think it's great. But I know, I know in my own heart that I can make a hero out of a preacher and they know in their own heart that they're, they're just weak children of God. They need the spirit of grace too. The good ones. But let me end on a high note. And I use that word end loosely because I don't know when this will stop. He goes on to say, For he who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is what I was talking about. And we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and i'm going to end it there so i'm trying to wrap together a big picture here what i'm saying is that in this scripture paul and the lord is saying the spirit is in you to convince you that you truly are children of god so that you can endure and win the fight against the flesh and really put the flesh to death by the power of the Spirit because you know who you are now. And so that's dealing with the bad stuff that comes out of us. We can change because we're God's children. The Spirit tells us so. And in order to get through the bad stuff that happens to us, you need to know that you're God's children, that you're called to this stuff, and that there's tons of hope as you suffer through the Spirit the Spirit helping you in your weakness, and that it all counts for something. And so I just want to end by reading this great verse again. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Why do we love God? Because the Spirit inside of us makes us cry out, Abba, Father. So even right here, it's not like, do I measure up? Do I love God? No, it's guys. This, this prerequisite prerequisite for loving god the spirit does that he's in you to make you love the father he's in you to say abba abba it's so good we know that for those who love god are called according to his purpose all things work together for good and we need the holy spirit because nobody believes this it's true but nobody believes that i don't believe it Help me now. I don't believe all things work together for good. And so I, I just want to preach. I want to end by preaching Jesus to us. And this is what I think is going on. Those words, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I think what is going on here is that Paul is actually echoing the Joseph story. You might remember from Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph's had this terrible life. Like, so goes from privilege with the father to betrayed by his brothers, to attempted murder by slavery. They didn't expect him just to go into slavery. They expected him to die in slavery. To attempted rape by his new owner's wife, to getting thrown in jail wrongly, to helping out the baker and the cupbearer, but then getting ignored. And then suddenly exalted to the second highest place in Egypt. And then his brothers coming to him and him rescuing them. And... There's this scene at the end of Joseph's story where Jacob has died, the father's died, and the brothers think, okay, now that the father's gone, Joseph's just going to, he's going to take us out because he's got, because it won't hurt dad for him to kill us. And they come to him and they say something like, your father told uh, you to be merciful to us. I don't know if he did or not, maybe just made it up to save their own bacon. And Joseph says to them, as for you, you meant evil against me but god meant it for good the saving of these many people as you can see today and he's talking about coming to rescue people from the famine that came on the land but it is so strategic and purposeful the hebrew portions of scripture every word is measured and chosen and specific probably the most purposeful wording in all of human literature and joseph says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Same word. 
the same level of intention when Joseph's brothers were trying to kill him for evil. God was trying to move him for good to save many people. And so what I think is going on is that Paul, as he's seeing the life of Jesus, which is Joseph's life times a million, he hears these prophetic confessions out of Joseph's mouth, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And now he says, why hold back, church? What everybody means for evil against us, God means for good. Therefore, because we love God, because he's put his spirit in us, convincing us that he is a good father, we know that everything that comes our way is meant for our good. So that Paul can even say to paraphrase in 2 Corinthians, he says, we know that these light and momentary troubles are working for us a eternal weight of glory that far surpass them. Light? What? Momentary? Doesn't feel like it. Yeah, but if you get it, if we can get it by the Spirit, we can come into a place where we're like, I feel weak, I feel lonely, but God is my Father, and I know He is so huge that the same way He sent Joseph from privilege into prison, and He sent His Son Jesus from the privilege of heaven into the prison of our fallen world, in the same way that G- Joseph was so betrayed in Potiphar's house, and the same way that Jesus the King was so betrayed by His people, in the same way that Joseph went into the prison of death underground, the same way Jesus went into the death of of real death underground, but God did not leave Joseph there, and God did not leave Jesus there, but instead exalted Joseph to the right hand of Pharaoh, and exalted Jesus to the right hand of God, and and you can look over the entire story and say, this is for a great salvation, and God was working everything according to his good plan for his people and his children to bring about his glory for his namesake. We can look at everything in our life and, and by faith say, because of the spirit of adoption witnessing in me, I know I'm a Joseph and I'm a Jesus, so everything is going to work for my good because no matter how evil the people are, the Father intends it for my good. That's, that's part of the gospel. No matter how evil the brothers are, the father, my father, the father that the spirit is convincing me through faith in Jesus is my dad. He intends it for good. That's how I know all things are working for my good. Because whatever's going on, the father intends it for my good. And I'm not saying evil's not evil. I'm saying it's evil. And I'm not saying suffering's not suffering. It's only suffering if it's suffering. Okay, sometimes we can... Suffering, it's not so bad. Like Jesus was up on the cross with the nails and the wounds going, it's just a flesh wound. You know, like that scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the guy's arms are cut off and he's spurting out the sides and he goes, a mere scratch, fight me, you dog. It's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. It's real suffering. We can read Joseph's story and we can think, well, he's from the Bible, so it doesn't really count. He wasn't a real person. He was a real person just like you and me. All alone, betrayed in a foreign land with nothing but God to depend on. And somehow in that prison, underground, all alone, abandoned, wondering if his dad is still alive, he found the faithfulness of God. And he served him. Probably by the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament doesn't really get into that, but I'm, I'm guessing if we look back... Holy Spirit, I was in Joseph's heart telling him, don't forget, I gave you a promise. You are going to be exalted. Don't forget the promise. You're not abandoned. I'm with you. Don't forget. Don't forget. 
You're a child of God. So, sermon close. Let's get some singing going on. I think we need to worship. The, the message is this, church. We, we are called to be a home for people who don't believe in homes. We're, we're a place for people to find the Father who don't believe in fathers. And so we need the supernatural power of the Spirit to invade because we cannot talk people into believing that the Father will love them through Jesus Christ. We can't talk them into it. We need the Spirit of God to invade and get into their hearts as they look to Jesus and say, you're a child of God now. Call him Abba. Amen? So let's pray. Father, you're amazing. You're amazing. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Would would you please come and fulfill your word? Why don't we stand? You know, I'm just assuming there's lots of us here who are just thinking, I would like to be convinced that that the Father is my Father. So I just want to tell you, why don't you just quietly start saying, Abba, Father, come. Help me in my weakness. That's what the Spirit desires, to be used for you to say that. So why don't we just, the band's going to start to worship, but just don't tell them what you need. Just confess. By the help of the Spirit, you're my Father. Overcome the bad things I do. Give me the victory through the bad things that come my way because you're my dad.